in the same room that occurs in Gartic, Akkadian, Phoenician, Arabic, Biblical, Aramaic, Indian, Hebrew, and in all periods. <coughs> this verb occurs about a thousand and forty times, and you've got nine hundred and ninety-five of those in Hebrew and forty-seven in Aramaic. In the Bible, essentially, yada means to know by observing and reflecting or thinking, and to know by experiencing. The first sense of it is in Genesis 8:11, where Noah knew the waters had abated as a result of seeing the freshly picked leaf in the dove's mouth. After observing and thinking about what he had seen, he did not actually see or experience the abatement himself. In contrast to this knowing to reflection is the knowing which comes to experience with the senses. By investigation and proving by reflection and consideration, first hand the knowing. Consequently, yada is used in synonymous parallelism with here in Exodus 37. See in Genesis 18, 21, and perceive and see in Job 28:7. Joseph told his brothers that they were to leave one of their number with him in Egypt, then he would know by experience that they were honest to men, which is Genesis 42:33. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were forbidden to eat the fruit, forbidden to eat of the tree whose fruit of Eden would give them the experience of evil. Therefore, the knowledge of both good and evil. Somewhat characteristically, the heart plays an important role in knowing. Because they experienced the sustaining presence of God during the wilderness wandering, the Israelites knew in their hearts that God was disciplining or caring for them as a father cares for a son. Just Deuteronomy 8.5 Such knowing can be hindered by a wrongly disposed heart. It comes from Psalm 95.10 Thirdly, this verb can represent that kind of knowing which one learns and can give back. So Cain said that he didn't know he was Abel's keeper, which is Genesis 4.9 And Abram told Sarai that he knew she was a beautiful woman, Genesis 12.11 also know by being told in Leviticus 5 when a witness either sees or otherwise knows by being told pertinent information. This sense know is paired up by acknowledging Deuteronomy 339 and learn Deuteronomy 31 12 through 13. Thus little children not yet able to speak do not know good and evil Deuteronomy 139. They have not In other words, their knowledge is not such that they can distinguish between good and evil. In addition to the essentially cognitive knowing already presented, this verb has a purely experimental side. Experiential side. The knower has actual involvement with or in the object of the knowing. So Potiphar was unconcerned about house, Genesis 39.6, he had no actual contact with it. In Genesis 4.1, Adam's knowing he refers to direct contact with her in a sexual relationship. In Genesis 18.19, God says he knows Abraham. He cared for him in the sense that he chose him from among other men and saw to it that 
himself in law and promise to new guys to have an intimate experiential knowledge of him. So fair denies that he knows who Jehovah Exodus 5 2, or that he recognizes his authority over him. Positively, to know God is parallel to fear him. That comes out of First Kings 8 43, to serve First Chronicles 28 9, and to trust Isaiah 43 10. So when Habakkuk writes, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He was telling us that we will be filled with a deep, intimate understanding of God that comes not just from we have heard about God, but more importantly, what we have seen about God. So that concludes our verse of the day segment. Now it is time for the 20th installment of our of our of our segment on Advent, a journey to Christmas. Today's topic is stored up. There's a moment in the midst of the busyness of Christmas night when the Bible notes that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Picture Mary taking a step back and soaking up every detail. Her baby boy had arrived. Joseph was still by her side. A group of Shepherds showed up with a story of angels rejoicing over Jesus. They couldn't help but tell the whole town. Everyone was celebrating the miracle of her son. It was a precious moment of God's faithfulness, and she stored it up in her heart. Store up things for a reason. There comes a time when we need to turn to the supply we have saved to sustain us when we are in need. Prophecies about the Messiah's sacrifice, Mary would have been aware that her precious child would one day experience incredible suffering. When she stood at the foot of the cross as her son was crucified, Mary must have had to rehearse every moment she had of God's faithfulness so she, so she could continue believing in the promise of Jesus' resurrection. Her greatest moment of pain, she had a collection of proof that God would do what he we experience mountaintop seasons of seeing God's faithfulness. We need to store up the truth of our experience and save it for later. In John 16:33, Jesus makes it clear that in this world we will have trouble. But he tells us to take heart because he has overcome the world and the hardest moments of our lives. We need to remember the victory of Jesus. Call all the ways we've seen his goodness. Seen his goodness. When you experience God's faithfulness in your life, take a step back and store it up as treasure in your heart. Think of it often. When your toughest days come, like a mirror, you will be able to endure. Father, I praise you because you're faithful. I've seen it with my own eyes and I want to forget it. Help me intentionally store up the moments when I see fulfill your promises so that when difficulty comes my faith will remain strong. 